This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. I wish I could have figured out what that was all about, but during every interaction me and my brother had with him that day and night, he never spoke a word. Pretty fucking creepy. Like some nights, that watched and followed feeling is more like a burning hatred directed towards my existence, like being stalked by an enemy or a predator. We ended up calling the police to report this guy, but they kind of point blank said they wouldn't really do anything unless we got hurt. From Killer Podcasts, true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events, this is Disturbed. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're bringing you three true stories that will frighten and disturb. So sit back, listen close, and dive into the horror. Our first story was narrated by the talented Gregory James and comes to us from Reddit user Fandog1989, a strange visitor at 2 a.m. Quick bit of backstory. Me, 32 years old, my brother, 28 years old, and our disabled mom all lived together in a trailer about 30 minutes from Nashville. I was wary about moving there for the stereotypes you may hear about trailer parks, but luckily we've had zero issues in the 10 years we've been here. Very nice neighbors, well-kept yards, you get the idea. So about a week ago, we were finally putting up our Christmas tree, drinking probably too much beer, listening to Christmas music, and the Christmas spirit was in full swing. During our random banter, my brother says, Oh, yeah, I can't believe I forgot to tell you. Earlier today at work, the owner had to kick out some guy who was acting super creepy. My brother works as a stalker at a local family-owned market about a mile from our home. He went on to tell me that this younger-looking guy was pacing the aisles, sometimes standing still for, like, minutes at a time and not responding when the owner would ask if he needed help finding something. After about 20 minutes of this, the owner asked him to please leave because he was scaring the customers, and without a word, he just left. We continue our good time, hanging ornaments, drinking, getting our mom involved, with the ornaments, not the drinking, of course, and all is good. We wrap up around 10.30 p.m., help our mom to bed from her wheelchair, and decide we might as well finish off the ton of beer we have left and admire our decked-out tree. At 11.30, we decided to go out on the front porch to share a cigarette, as we usually do when we tie it on a good buzz. My brother opens the door and almost immediately closes it. I ask, what's up? He says, holy shit, the guy I was telling you about, just like Michael Myers, walked down the street past our house. I thought that was pretty strange, but wasn't super concerned. We waited for a few minutes and then went out and smoked as usual before going back inside. My brother and I aren't troublemakers at all, but I'm pretty confident in our ability to defend ourselves if we had to. At this point, these are just thoughts in the back of my mind, though. After all, I hadn't seen this guy. Yet. Fast forward to about 2 a.m. We're more than drunk enough to go ahead and call it a night after one more sig. My brother opens the door, and within seconds, I hear him say, Whoa, whoa, hey man, you good? Hey, buddy, what's up, you good? I'm in the kitchen at the time, but quickly decided that this did not sound right, and I rushed over to the door. 
What I see when I get to the open door is a younger man standing on our deck about three feet from our front door. He's pretty tall, about 6'4", and I noticed he looks a lot like Adam Driver, which was a detail my brother jokingly mentioned earlier during tree time. I'm realizing for the first time, this must be the guy he's been talking about. One thing my brother must have not gotten close enough to notice at work, though, was this guy's eyes. I'm not exaggerating when I say I've never seen anything like it. His body language wasn't super menacing, but his eyes were the strangest combination of wide-eyed bewilderment and fury. Like us opening our front door confused him and also made him very, very angry. I joined my brother in explaining to him that it's late and he should head home. After what I'd say was about 30 seconds of staring, he just walked off without a word. I peeked out of the blinds to make sure he really left and saw nothing. We both tried to laugh it off, saying things like, well, it was pretty weird, huh? But it took a while for my adrenaline to taper off. The thing I kept thinking to myself that was bothering me was those 30 seconds. To me, it felt like he was the one deciding what the next move would be. But what that could have been, I have no idea. I also didn't love that my brother said that when he opened the door, he was already standing there. So for how long? We calm down watching YouTube videos, and after another 30 minutes or so, I say to my brother, okay, man, let's just go to bed. I'll take one more look outside to be safe. I felt like it wasn't really necessary, but I open the door, and he's back again. The streetlights are spaced very far apart in our trailer park, but at the edge of our driveway, there I see his silhouette, probably 50 feet away again, just staring at our front door. I feel I should mention that he's not there texting on the phone with someone, he's just there. I feel bad in hindsight because I'm sure this poor guy definitely has mental health issues, but between being drunk and exhausted and the look he gave us earlier, I was over it. I finally put some bass in my voice and said, hey man, you can't just stand in our driveway, you're being creepy dude, just please leave. I really don't want to call the cops on you, so don't make me. This seemed to work. His demeanor didn't change at all, but the word cops seemed to do the trick. He turned around and walked away. I hope we handled it well. I understand and empathize with people with mental health problems and have friends and family who unfortunately suffer from those things. However, I still can't shake the feeling that something bad could have happened that night. He didn't finally leave our porch earlier that night until I showed up to the door, essentially making him outnumbered, and even then, he still came back after. I hope he's okay out there. We haven't seen him since. I also hope not calling the police wasn't a bad choice. Next, we hear a story from Reddit user Toasthead, narrated by Cesar Brazil. We're nearly driven mad by the spirits of the dead. For context, I am highly skeptical, but no stranger to the paranormal. I'm the type that believes demons exist, but most ghost stories are overreactions of easily explained phenomena or simply hoaxes. About three months ago, I started working security for a hotel that was built back in the 1920s by a major hotel chain that has changed hands multiple times and is now owned by one of the biggest hotel chains. I'm not saying which, so the company can't sue me. Now, from what I've been told, 
paranormal activity is not a common occurrence in the hotel. But some years back, the Make-A-Wish Foundation started sending some children here because, well, it's a major resort at one of the most popular beaches on the East Coast. Why wouldn't they? However, the hotel was not informed of this and didn't realize what was happening until several children died in their rooms over the course of a few weeks. Supposedly, on quiet nights, you can hear children playing with a ball in the North Tower ballrooms at night. For years, guests complained of children playing ball loudly next to their rooms even, and when security would check, there would be no one there. This has not happened in a while, but going into the story, you should understand that my opinion on the cause of what I've seen may be warped by being told this story. Now, every shift, we do a floor check, especially on night shift when I work. At first, I never noticed anything strange. I got a little creeped out by the quiet of the floors at night, but nothing supernatural. The hotel has two separate towers, separated by a restaurant and shopping area that connects them. About a month into the job and suddenly, I started feeling like something was following me on my floor checks especially in the South Tower, which is the biggest and tallest, and where I understand most jumpers choose, because all the rooms facing the ocean have sliding glass doors with a short railing in front, and you can put the rest together from there. Anyway, it got really bad in October. Maybe the spooky season had an effect on me, but this feeling of being watched and followed never went away. As the weeks have gone on, I started seeing distorted faces in windows as I passed by, to the point I no longer looked at them. The floor pattern sometimes reflects on the glass and the mind could easily make a face with the pattern, but some of these faces were up further on the glass where this wouldn't have been possible. When I focus up there, sometimes I can almost hear whispers in the back of my mind urging me to commit suicide or lambasting me for the mistakes I've made or even telling me insecurities I have about myself I've never told anyone about. In the last few weeks, some strange physical and auditory phenomena have occurred. Part of what we do on floor checks is close doors we find open, and some of the doors lately have been more difficult to close. One in particular I had to use all my strength to slam shut. The ice machines on each floor sometimes make a banging noise while in operation, so I usually attribute any noise I hear from the vending area to that. But sometimes it almost has sounded like something was rummaging in the garbage cans. And when I'd go to investigate, I'd hold my keys so they wouldn't jingle in case it was a person. And as soon as I do, the rummaging noise will stop. On a couple of occasions, I felt what I can only describe as hands touching me while closing certain doors, sometimes just a tickle, and other times a brush against the back of my hand, and even a feeling like someone on the other side of the door is pulling it in the opposite direction. I now dread the floor checks, especially after 3 a.m., I'm not trying to make this seem scarier than it is, but these things intensify the closer it gets to that hour. 
Whatever they are, they aren't friendly and I think they know I can sense them. They really don't like that I can sense them. You're listening to Disturbed. We'll be right back. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mihaljevic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. Welcome back, listeners. Finally, we have a story from Reddit user FlowersFlowers200 telling us a terrifying experience with a deranged man, narrated by Elizabeth Flood. This happened in 2021, so still in the midst of COVID. I totally forgot about this happening until I found a similar story. Essentially, two years ago, during COVID-19, a group of my friends and I wanted to all live with each other while we were doing remote learning at university. We go to a very popular school in California. As a group of girls living together during COVID does, we spent most nights watching movies, drinking wine, and hanging out all together. To give some context to the layout of our house, we lived in a massive house that was divided into three different apartments— We chose our apartment specifically because it was at the very back of the house, which made us all feel safer, since we wouldn't have the normal riffraff of being right on the street where anyone could easily see or decide to do anything sketchy. Not that we really thought it was an issue, but it made all five girls living in the house feel safer, especially since we were now all away from our families. In terms of inside, we have four bedrooms upstairs and one bedroom right next to the open concept kitchen slash living room. The ground floor bedroom faces our tiny parking lot, three cars, and a tiny garden, while our kitchen and living room face a little sidewalk alleyway that runs along the side of the house and leads to our front door. So it was a pretty big apartment. Some foreshadowing. Since we got the apartment in the middle of COVID-19, we hadn't furnished it properly and did not have any curtains or blinds. The only thing that separates the window from the outside is a pretty flimsy bug screen. 
In the weeks leading up to the incident, my friend, who was the one living in the bedroom on the first floor, was complaining to the other four of us that if we wanted to bring anyone over, we needed to be at the door to grab them so that they don't jingle and try the locked door every time. Apparently, she would always hear footsteps right outside her window, which faced our little parking lot at the back of the house, and would hear someone try to open the front door or try to open a window. Looking back on it now, I don't really understand how we weren't as freaked out when she told us this. I think we just had such a false sense of security since we had so many people in the house. We lived in the very back of the house, and we did have boys coming in and out of our house at night. So I guess it just wasn't unusual to hear footsteps? Or at least we just kept blaming each other's hookups for not following the rules of staying outside until we opened the door for them. Anyways... My friend's complaints died down, and we all kind of forgot about any issues that happened. We constantly got into fights in the house just because we were all cooped up inside all the time. So things that are said really just come and go. This was until the day that the incident happened, and it was honestly the scariest thing that has probably ever happened to me. All five of us, plus two boyfriends, were all sitting in the living room for a Harry Potter movie marathon. We have three couches that are all placed in a U-shape configuration and a shitty, tiny TV we were able to buy for $150 at Best Buy. So it was a tight squeeze for all of us. But it felt so safe being around so many people, especially two huge guys. For some more pretext for our marathon, we all thought it would be kind of cute to make Harry Potter-themed treats. We made cupcakes and filled them with different colors for all the houses, One of my other friends made a sparkly cocktail, and we were just kind of having fun with it. We had all of our lights turned off because, as you know, the Harry Potter films are filmed with a lot of darkness. And with such a crappy TV, it was genuinely hard to see what was going on at some points. At this point, we are really enjoying the film, until one of my friends says to pause the TV. She said that she has been hearing some crunches and footsteps for the past 30 minutes. This was my bad entirely, but I told her to stop scaring all of us because we have the other two apartments in the house who occasionally walk by our front door after they have parked, so it wasn't anything to be scared about. We continue watching the movie and suddenly we hear giggling. It was a short burst and then dead silent. We were all dead silent. It was almost like we couldn't believe we heard something so close by. We literally turned off the TV at this point because it was just really unnerving. And then there it was again. Whoever it was was literally right outside of our door giggling. It didn't sound like a child's giggle. It was more like someone imitating a child's giggle, which really freaked us all out. We went to my bedroom window, which was above the front door, so that we could see if anyone was outside. As expected, no one was outside. No one was in the alleyway. So the boys decided they would just check outside our house in the parking lot and see if they could find anything. I think they were spooked too, but didn't want to admit it. The boys end up coming back and said they couldn't find anything weird or unusual. And it was probably just our next door neighbors because they were throwing a little kickback. So we probably just heard some weird echo. Maybe it's the false sense of security, but we were pretty satisfied with that answer. If the boys weren't even that freaked out, why would we be? So we decided to turn the TV back on, make some more popcorn, and just chill. Once again, maybe it's just stupidity or feeling like nobody could hurt us with such a big group. 
but we opened one of the kitchen windows for some air after one of my friends burnt the popcorn. The kitchen window we opened was on the very far end of the kitchen and was the furthest window away from us. So it felt better knowing that even if something were to happen, at least we had some distance. Anyways, as it happened previously, we heard another giggle. This one sounded almost strangled, almost like it was really forced out. We looked towards the open window and saw nothing. One of the boys decided to shout, shut the fuck up, for some comic relief, I guess. I think it made us feel better to think that it was just the house next door's party. We unpause the movie, and not even seconds after unpausing, do we hear another giggle. And this time, when we look over, we see some guy's face pressed against the fucking bug screen while he continues to open and close his mouth as if he is trying to chomp down on the screen. His eyes were wide open and just staring at all of us as he kept chomping. Holy shit, it was chaos. Literally, survival instincts went straight out the window for some of us because while the boys ran to the window and tried to shut and lock it, Everyone else was screaming or running upstairs or locking themselves into bedrooms. This is the part that I cannot recount since I ran upstairs. But according to the boys, after they were able to shut the window and grab one of our kitchen knives, the guy just continued to press his face against the window, making the same chomping motion while not blinking. And he stayed like that until suddenly he whipped his head back and literally disappeared into the darkness. We ended up calling the police to report this guy, but they kind of point blank said they wouldn't really do anything unless we got hurt, but that they would definitely file a report about it for any future issues that could be called in. But that night, we all decided to buy blinds for downstairs, and we called some of our dads to help us install proper locks on the front door and all of the bottom floor windows. So I guess, all in all, nothing bad happened. There are a lot of people who overdose and do heavy drugs around campus so it was most likely a result of someone who took too much of something. But it was definitely scary since we didn't actually know if his intentions were to come inside. Disturbed is a production of Killer Podcasts, a part of the Evergreen Network. For more paranormal and true crime shows, visit killerpodcasts.com. Follow our social channels at Disturbed Podcast on Instagram or Disturbed underscore pod on Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at disturbedpodcast.com. Music by Epidemic Sound and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Our producers are Noah Fouts and Elizabeth Flood. Our audio engineer is Nathan Corson. Executive producers Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Till next time, stay safe out there. <laughs>